Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Several years ago, (laughs) it was Tracy's birthday, and I I arranged a a weekend getaway in Atlanta, and I booked a room at the Georgian uh, uh, Terrace across from the Fox Theater. And so, see, growing up, Tracy's grandparents would take her there to see the Nutcracker and uh, just various performances as she was growing up. My my grandparents took me to an event hall in Charleston where we got to see... uh, Ric Flair perform and um, Blackjack Mulligan uh, perform, Greg the Hammer Valentine. And you all are thinking, bless Tracy's heart, I know. But I knew that meant a lot to her. And so um, I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for her. And so I booked the, the room at the, the Georgian. And then, you know, I got the tickets at the Fox Theater. And we were going to see the Phantom of the Opera. Again, now, we grew up two different ways. So just in complete transparency, I was looking forward to the weekend, but I was dreading the opera, or whatever you call the Phantom of the Opera. I guess it's an opera. I was dreading it. So, But we dressed up, you know, we, we walked across the street, and uh, we, you know, we went in. If you've been to the Fox, you just know all the, it's just wonderful. But I, hear, I had a plan. It's going to start. I'm going to doze. I'll just doze here and there, you know, because I, but, but I'm going to do it for her, you know. But that first note hit, like it started. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. I was like, I was in. There, there, there was no sleeping at all. This, this Ric Flair raised boy, I was just having the time of my life watching this performance. I mean, it was incredible. And then it ended. And I, I mean, I'm just, let me tell you how moved I was. So I planned on dozing through it. Instead, I watched the whole thing. I, I bought the, the, the uh, what do you call it, the program. I bought a program. Uh, I went home. I, I downloaded the music on iTunes. Listen, I was moved to the point of action. Now, how many of y'all have seen Phantom of the Opera? Did you have the same experience I had? Okay, good. <laughs> how many of y'all seen Ric Flair? That impresses me more. But anyway, but it was just, we all, we all like to be moved, right? We, we, we'll go to the movies. And you know, a, a great movie will, will move us. We'll, we'll empathize with, with whoever the character is and, and whether they're struggling. But especially if they go through the, you know, the plot where, you know, here's the story. And then all of a sudden, man, they're in dire straits, but they rise to the occasion. Man, we, we love those kind of stories. We love to see sporting events that just inspire us when the athletes rise to the occasion. We love to be moved. Jesus, in in final words, this series that we're doing now, you're going to see these final words. They're the crescendo of Jesus' teaching. That doesn't mean that the teaching prior to this doesn't matter, but these are the final words. He knows his time is coming. The cross is, is in front of him. He realizes that, and he's got these moments left with the disciples. These are his final words. 
the next few weeks as we walk through this. And you know, final words, they matter. What we're going to see is the, the basis for how the church, now listen, he, he's going to be crucified. He's going to rise from the dead. The disciples are going to go to an upper room and pray. And then the Holy Spirit is going to come upon the side, and the church is going to be born. And what we're going to see in these final words is the, the basis for the church and how it will carry on and, and, and carry out his mission of, of drawing all people to himself, regardless of, of who they were or, or what they're done or whose family they're from or what country they're from. These final words will will so move his disciples that a movement will begin that we're part of that won't end until Christ returns. And see, I believe these words that we're, we're going to hear. I, I so believe them. And, and, and my prayer is that, that you believe what he's saying, that you'll be moved by his word and, and by his spirit, just like the disciples were at that time. So he teaches them, and then he ends that teaching with these words. He says in John 13, 17, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Well, what are these things? Well, let's go back, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. Uh, it's not on the screen, but listen to this so I can just sort of set the scene. It's before the Passover celebration. Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he'd loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him, Jesus, authority over everything, and that he had come from God, and he also knew that he would return to God. So look at what Jesus knows. Jesus knows everything. He knows God's plan. He, he knows what's facing him in the next few days. He knows the, the suffering that's coming. He knows the death that is to come. Here's what he knew about his disciples, though. The one that just sat around the table with him. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. And he also knew that these guys around the table, they were going to get scared and they were going to scatter. But listen to what he knew about himself. He knew that he had authority that was ultimate and eternal. He, that, that there's never been anyone with, with greater power. There, there's no greater authority in heaven or on earth than Jesus. He knows that one day every knee on earth will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He knows that about himself. So when it comes to power, there is no one greater. If you knew those things about yourself, what would you do with them? If you knew the future, you knew that there was no greater authority than you. I mean, at the drop of a hat, at the drop of your word, people can die and people can come back to life. 
that every kingdom on the face of the earth is subject to your wishes and your will. If you knew those things about yourself, what would you do with them? See, Jesus knows that about himself, and yet Jesus is the humble servant. The king of all kings. We've heard that phrase probably if you grew up in church. He's the king of kings. There's no no greater king than him. And yet Jesus is the humble servant, the the most humble servant. In verse 4, he's at the table. He says he got up from the table and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he began to pour water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet. Think about this statement. He washed the disciples' feet. He's going to wash, he's going to wash Peter's feet, who denied him three times. He's going to wash Judas' feet, who would betray him. He's going to wash their feet. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You'll never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you you won't belong to me. And then Simon Peter exclaimed, and wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who's been bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. And that's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. We live in a different world nowadays. Back then they wore sandals wherever they went. And people's feet were, were always dirty. If it was a dry season, they had dirt on their feet. If it was a rainy season, they had mud on their feet. And servants in, in, in a lot of homes were provided that when you came into the home, the, the servant would, would wash your feet. But if not, the, the wife would wash the husband's feet and the children would wash the parents' feet. Jesus shows his humble nature in that the Son of God, the Lord, the King of all kings, would wash his disciples' feet. He's going to take the form of a, of a servant. He's going to take the form of a slave. He's going to take maybe the form of a child. He's going to take the form of the lowest position in the community, and he's going to wash their feet. Now, for him to do this, this, this is outrageous humility that he would wash their feet. And it's probably one of the most moving acts of Christ besides what Austin described as going to the cross. It wasn't a performance. It wasn't a show. It was who he was. A humble servant. It was done out of identity. And Jesus calls me to be a servant like him. Jesus calls you and he calls me to be a servant like him. In verse 12, it said, After washing their feet, he, he put on his robe again, 
and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's who I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. He says, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. We'll go to the theater to be moved. We'll go to a sporting event to be moved. We'll go to the many places to be moved. Humble service moves people. Can you imagine sitting around the table and, and Jesus comes? Of course, they were not in a chair, but Jesus washed their feet. I mean, I can understand what Peter's saying. No, Lord, you're... And we look at how the church took off after the Holy Spirit came upon them. And we see how the church took care of one another. And then later on, you see how the church would move into areas where pandemics had hit later in Rome. And it was Christians that would go in and, and serve the dying, putting their own lives at risk. Humble service moves people. And we never look more like Jesus than we're humbly serving other people. Not just washing feet, but serving whatever the need might be. At that moment, the need was washing feet. This example will become the backbone of the church's message to, to a lost world. And, and here's the thing, when, when we refuse to serve or when we buy the lie that I don't need to serve, We're saying we're greater than the messenger. We're saying that we're greater than Jesus. And what he has said is, do as I have done for you. He gave us an example to follow, not just to inspire, but, but to move us. And, and to be moved is not being moved emotionally. It moves us to, to action. So one of the greatest joys I have, uh, listen, one of the greatest joys I have, I love being married and I love my family and uh, that is the greatest joys. But one of the greatest joys I have is serving as lead pastor of the church. So uh, let me tell you what it's like to be lead pastor. You know, I can make a joke right now, and I'm not. Um, to be lead pastor comes with a lot of accolades. I'll just be honest with you. It comes with a lot of accolades. And, you know, there's some ribbing, some good-natured ribbing. I got it when I came in today. But, but there comes with accolades. I'll, I, from y'all, um, um, I get notes and cards and texts and emails. I'll, I'll go into the community, and people, you know, say, Scott, man, y'all are doing such a great job, and, and this, and they're giving me these accolades, and I had, I knew, I had nothing to do with the, the ministry that was involved. I had nothing to do with it. Uh, one time, um, a reporter from Channel 5 called me and said, hey, you know, there's a group of people over at this house, and man, they've taken it upon themselves, and, and man, they're just uh, serving, and, and, and man, we just want to, first of all, just great job, and we think that's great, and they were asking me questions about it, and I said, look, I just found out about it when you called me. 
I don't know anything about it. You know, but I'll get um, thanks and gratitude, you know, um, good job and encouragement. And a lot of times, I don't know anything that's going on, but I'm the lead pastor. Lead. Satan wants me to, to grab onto that title. Wants me to think of myself as a, a great leader. And see, I'm, I am blessed. I get to serve um, both with staff and volunteers that are, are phenomenal, men and women. And um, <laughs> they, they make things happen. Okay. My aunt gave to the church not too long ago in, in honor of my stepdad. And uh, she said, hey, I don't, I don't know if they got it. Hey, will you check it out? And, and I don't, I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. Only, I'll, I'm going to call Trey, you know. <laughs> and um, before I could even do it, she replied back. She said, I knew you were on top of it. I got an email back. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> She's she said, you're doing a great job over there. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I said, look, I said, there's men and women making things happen. I don't even know how you got an email, but that's awesome, you know. But I'm the lead pastor. So foot washing in our day has become more where you honor somebody. And so I've chosen somebody first service and somebody second service. And Trey, I'm going to ask you to come up. And so, um, and so I, I do want to honor Trey in this way because y'all, some of you know what he does. Some, some of y'all will never know the extent of what he does. And you can go ahead and sit down. And so, um, and so yeah. man, I wish I had notes in front of me. <laughs> No, I'll do it. And so, um, and so anyway, Trey does a lot. Let me see. And um, in, our, in our day, foot washing has become a sense of honor. But I'll be honest with you, um, if I could be completely transparent, um, it has become now a, uh, for me, I've thought about, I've never done this before. And Trey, I don't, I, uh, you're my, you're probably my, you are my closest brother. And um, I could tell you a lot of things about what I have seen, but I'll tell you what about what I see. I see that you're a man filled with the Spirit of God. I see that you're a man, man, you love your wife and you love your kids. And man, you love the church. And man, you give. Um, so much, but I love this fact too. You you don't neglect your wife and you don't neglect your kids. You, I was told this week, man, um, a friend of mine said, Scott, you don't know how much Trey loves you. He said, dude, we're in a meeting and he, he honors you in such a way Man, I, you serve me, man. Gosh, let me tell you how else you serve me. You, um, 
You teach, man. And you don't even teach that often. And I see God's spirit in you. And I, man, you have grown me and taught me in so many ways. And this is not enough to show you how humble you have made me by the way you have stretched me and um, shown Christ to me and just live in a spiritual life. And so I do hope that in some small gesture that you are honored, but man, I just want you to know I love you and I am better because of you. Yeah, man, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. So I was supposed to say all that with the mic off. I really was. So in all transparency, all my energy this week when I thought about this message was not about the delivery. It was not about the, the placement. It's about humbling myself because I've never washed anybody's feet before. And dude, I touched, I touched your socks. <laughs> so I hope Trey was honored. I, I will say this. I have, I have been, I have been humbled. And I'm not the example of humility, so I don't confuse what I'm saying here. But I chose to take Jesus' words as he said them. To serve somebody that, one, I know and I love and respect immensely. Because he said, go and do likewise. You came in and there's a towel on your seat. And that is for you for later in the service. We're going to talk about that. But that is for a reminder for you that don't buy into what the world is saying. That it's all about who rises to the top. Don't buy into that. That the greatest is not the one with the most toys or the greatest is not the one with the longest title. No, if you're a believer in Jesus... We're, we're servants of all. Husbands serving their wives and wives serving their husbands and parents serving their kids and kids serving their parents. Church members serving church member. We're serving one another. But how do we maintain that? Because here's what's going to happen. We're, we're sitting here and it's easy to see an act of service or, or, or and you were greeted by, by acts of service when, when you came in. How do we maintain that? Paul says in Philippians, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. 
How hard is that today? When we got everything that reminds us of our interest in the in our pockets and our on our phones. When everything in us is look out for number one. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. And he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death. Someone who had never committed one wrong died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, that one day every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus was a humble servant. And Jesus caused us to serve. And the truth is, I am blessed when I serve. Now, that's not the reason why I do it. But the truth is, I am blessed when I serve. He, Jesus said, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. What, what does bless mean? It, it means joy. It, it means pain. It's not material blessing, which that may come, but he's not talking about it. He's talking about contentment. He's talking about, hey, this is why I'm here. I'll tell you why you're here. I'll tell you why you're still living. You're living here to glorify God as you walk and serve Jesus. And that, that is why you're here. That is our purpose in life. It's, it doesn't have to do with a title, lead pastor, or whatever your title may be at work. No, your title, your, your sense of purpose is you and I are servants of the Most High God. You and I are to serve Jesus by serving one another. And everything in our society, especially in our culture, wants us to buy the lie that it's about me and mine and rising to the top. You and I will be blessed when we do these things by the joy and peace and contentment and fulfillment of doing what we're created to do. And it may not be a spotlight ministry I really doubt it will be. No, it's the humble position of just meeting people's needs where they are. One time in India, I was asked to speak, and there was a, it was like this. It was a, he put together a, a, a pastor's conference there in India, and so uh, we had about this many chairs that they, they went back. But right in the middle section, he reserved it for persecuted pastors. So th these pastors, and you've heard me talk about them before. These pastors had scars. These pastors had uh, lost family members. These, pa these pastors really have been separated from their families or their kids or in hiding. And they're there. They were the most eager and the most joyous ones there. There were people, it was packed room. 
but the most eager to learn, those that were taking the most notes were these persecuted pastors. And listen, they, they, they weren't lead pastors. They, they weren't even bivocational. They, they were tent makers. They, they worked another job so that they could do that for free. And many of them, what they would do at nighttime, they would sneak back into the towns they had been run out of so that either they could lead a Bible study or they could encourage the, the church leaders. And before sunup, they would sneak back out. They had lost all they had in the world, but yet they had more than the world could offer. They couldn't take their joy. It couldn't take their purpose. It couldn't take their fulfillment. It, it couldn't take that sense of contentment. It couldn't take their eagerness. They had God's blessing. They were the servants of God in that room, the true servants of God. We all want God's blessing in our lives. This is nothing wrong with saying that. There's nothing selfish about saying that. We all want God's blessing in our lives. And if I follow Jesus' teaching, it comes through humbly serving others. And not by knowing this, because one thing the church does real well today, the church here in America, is we know a lot. We just don't always do a lot. He said, not by knowing this, but by doing it, you will be blessed. Lives will be changed. Your life will be changed. Other people will come to Christ, but they're going to see acts of service, whether it's being greeted or, or a youth group leader or an E-town leader, whether loving a child, sitting in an I don't even, can, I'm going to say Indian style. I may have just messed up. Anyway, sitting in a circle. Just on the ground with kids. Talk about a humble act of service. Don't forget who you are. My, my prayer for you this morning is that you're reminded of who you are. You're a follower of Jesus, which means you're a servant of Jesus, which means that you're a servant of other people. And humble service Humble service moves people because they see Christ in you. They see Christ in you when you put the needs of others first. My prayer this morning is this, that you are moved by God's Word and by God's Spirit. That you're reminded of who you are. And here's what we would love to see is believers responding to the Spirit, believers responding to the Word of God, believers doing what God's Word says. And listen, that is, so this is, let me tell you what, I, I have this vision for it, and not just me, I believe our, our church does it. There's 90,000 people in Newton County do, who do not have a church home. Now, Scott, are you saying you, you think we can reach 90,000 people? I'm going to say something that's ridiculous. I'm going to say something that's ludicrous. I'm going to say something that makes no possible sense. Yes. Yes, I do. I, I pray about it every day. I, I, I think about it every day. And I try to do the math and I go, it's not possible. But I still pray about it every day. And I, I still believe it. I believe that 90,000 people are going to come to faith. Now, why do I believe that? Because if I do the math backwards... 
way more than that, has come to faith in Christ. But in order to reach 90,000 people, there has to be the men and women that have been equipped and empowered by the Word of God and the Spirit of God to do that. I don't believe COVID-19 surprised God. I don't believe that. I, I believe this is our time, the church's time to shine. I, I believe that with all my heart. Whether it be in these walls or outside these walls, whether it be in the country or, or around the square. See, you and I were called to serve for such a time as this. Not to live in fear, but to love our neighbor. Such a time as this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a servant of Jesus and of your brother and of your neighbor. That is who you are. And we look the most like Jesus when we're serving. Jesus said, go and do likewise. That towel, when you leave, and that's a reminder of who you are. That's a reminder of who you are. Now, if you feel led to go home and set an example of, of humility and washing someone's feet, more, more, more power to you. But I guarantee you there's some greater needs in your home that need to be met than that. Also, too, there's a, there's a prayer card. There's a serving card on here. Then you walked in. If we're going to reach these 90,000 people, we need the church that's been empowered and equipped to do what we've been called to do. We need to fulfill our calling. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And the band's going to come up and, and they're going to sing a, a song. And, and while they play and while they sing, I want you to pray about two things. I want you to pray about who in your family or who in your community and you need to serve. But also too, where in the church do you need to be serving? And so on the screen, there's, there's gonna be a, a list of ministries here in the church. I want you to prayerfully say, God, Am I living in sin by refusing not to serve? And if that's the case, ask him to forgive you. And then ask him to just show you or show me where I can serve. So I'm going to let the band minister us while you prayerfully look at who you can serve and, and where you can serve. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. 
If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.